podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town, basketball's coming to town. Scott's making a list, Grant's checking it twice, they're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketball's coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Ooh, boys. Boom, the boys are back, and <laughs> we've had a lot of football talk and why the hell not? Had an absolutely massive Big 12 championship game and a Big 12 championship win. That's right, Big 12 champions. And we will ramp up and get ready for signing day for the bowl game versus Alabama. And we will be talking uh, transfer portal, all that type of stuff. But there's been a lot of great basketball going on. And a regime change at the top of the volleyball program as well. So we're going to talk about that. Um, But before we do, remember we are sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. The Tang Time Sour is on tap. I can't wait to have a couple pints before I head over to Bramlage on Sunday. They have four packs out in liquor stores now. And if your store does not carry Manhattan Brewing Company, you need to tell them to do so. All right, there's going to be a little bit of time traveling in this episode. Uh, I'm recording, uh, you know, this first part where I'll talk a little bit about the Butler and Wichita State game. Um, I'll time travel, I'll come back because I'm recording this before the K-State Abilene Christian game. So I'll have a you know a quick uh, instant reaction to that game uh, as well. And then I am going to record a little bit of women's basketball talk and volleyball as well. You'll hear in the order of men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball. But again, there might be some cut, cut in, cut out, cut out some time traveling. Uh, so just bear with uh, any of uh, some seemingly weird transitions, possibly, as I as I try to do, you know, this uh, show. Barely a, uh, a voice still around. So um, let, let's start with the Butler game. I, again, I, as many of you guys know, I went to Indianapolis. I had a great time. Um, in that city, I actually wish I would have got to. I, I wish I would have spent more time in Indianapolis. Chauncey also is making sure his presence is known uh, with that squeak toy. Uh, but it was a really fun game. It, it was. It, it was a. It was fun to visit Hinkle Fieldhouse. Um, 
And, and it, it's going to be fun to always say, hey, I, I went to one of the historic arenas in college basketball. Uh, that said, I mean, it, it's... It's fine. The viewing experience, it's similar to a lot of those old uh, field house style basketball arenas. Uh, if you want the best sight lines, if you want a good concourse, any of that type of stuff, you're not going to get it there. Um, but it was fun and I'm really glad I went. Now, the actual game. Um, you know, it, it's disappointing to lose that game because, again, uh, is Butler going to be a tournament team? Are they going to be a bubble team? I'm not really sure. You know, they're sitting at five and three. They had and they're playing Yale uh, today. As I'm recording this, I'm sure they'll take care of it. But you know, they lost to a Penn State team that is not very good. Uh, they did lose to Tennessee. They're not a bad squad. And then they uh, lost uh, versus NC State. In NC State, they might be all right. I'm not really sure what uh, what to think about them. But this isn't some uh, already pencil them in NCAA tournament team. This is a team that also, you know, they got Thad Mata. They had a lot of turnover uh, for their team as well. This was a game I thought we should be able to win. And you do have a little bit of disappointment losing that game by 12 points. Again, it really comes down to the start of that game. Butler just came out and kind of blitzed K-State. You know, we, we had that uh, three-point bucket uh, to go up 3-0. We got it to 5-4. And then they go on a run and just stretch it out. And it gets to a point where, I mean, what? It, they got it. They were up by nine points about nine or eight minutes into the game. And we really never really got back. I and no, that's not true. We did get back in the game. There were a couple times we went on some runs. Um but it, when you get down by you know, what was it at halftime? 12 points. It was 12 points, 37-25 at halftime. Um, it's tough to come back. Again, we went toe-to-toe with them, 39-39 in the second half, and we got I, I think we got it down to five. So this team shows that they have that fight. They, it shows that they have that grit. But it's tough, especially on the road. And it was the first real road game um, environment that they had to play in. You know, it, it was... It, it, it won't be the most raucous game that they... Uh, play in, but you know, it was a pretty good crowd. You know, it was just under 8,000, it was you know, 85% capacity. There were some K State fans in there, but it got loud. It was the first time they really had to deal with a hostile crowd. And you understand, you can see why that game went the way it did. Um, and, and, and I don't think, I don't think that'll be the game that. Uh, decides whether or not we go to the NCAA tournament or anything like that. But I do think there's a chance, especially depending on what type of team Butler turns out to be down the stretch, it might be one of those games you think to yourself, okay, maybe maybe that was a missed opportunity. Um, Keontae Johnson, and this is going to be a recurring theme because we'll talk about it uh, in the Wichita State game as well. Going 9 of 9 from the field, having 20 points and 12 rebounds. The guy is everything you could have hoped for and more. 
Keontae Johnson is legitimately the best player that we've had maybe since Michael Beasley. You know, as a bigger guy. You know, again, you've you've had some great guards. But, you know, he is just an absolute difference maker. You know, he is, you know, at the same level maybe better than, you know, Dean Wade was uh, as a junior and senior. Again, they play a different type of game. This is a different type of offense. So it's probably unfair to kind of compare those two or even to compare them to Michael Beasley. But Keontae Johnson, again, he is so efficient. You know, he's shooting over 50% from the field so far early on in this season, uh, eight games into the season. And this guy is just next level. You know, he's shooting 58% from the floor, 50% from three, 82% from the free throw line. He's grabbing 6.6 rebounds a game. He's getting two assists a game. This guy is the real deal. And I can't say it enough. He is a first-team All-Big 12 type guy. He can be the difference maker in any given game. And you saw Marquise Noel, you know, who went 5 of 15 from the field versus Butler. Took him a little while to get going. 1 of 6 from 3. He did did have 8 assists. Uh, only two turnovers. He, that's the one thing with Keontae Johnson. Going back to Keontae Johnson, he does turn the ball over quite a bit. He had five of K-State's 13 turnovers versus Butler. Then we also saw a great game from Desi Sills as well. 17 points. Uh, he grabbed three rebounds. He shot eight of 15 from the field, but only one of four from three. We only went four of 20 for three in that game versus Butler. You know, Keontae, 2 of 2. Marquise Noel, 1 of 6. Desi Sills, 1 of 4. Ish, 0 of 2. Tomlin, 0 of 2. Uh, and then uh, Cam Carter, 0 of 2. That game really was just needing, truly needing a fourth guy to really step up. You know, David Gusan actually had a good game. He had 8 points. But, you know, you got Goose Egg from Tomlin. You only got 2 from Carter, 2 from Ish, nothing from Finister, and nothing from Tyke Green. So when you're going to be giving up 76 points, uh, Butler shot 54% from the field, 40% from three, 80% from the free throw line, getting to the free throw line 15 times, which ultimately was the biggest difference. K-State only got to the free throw line three times, shot 46 from the field, 20% from three. You're not going to win that game. That was a tough one to pull out. Now, uh, and I'm going to say this about K-State fans uh, as we transition into this Wichita State game. I was so pleased with the crowd. Um, it, it was reported at just around 9,000, which again, having you know probably about 2,000. I, I think the official capacity for this season is around 11,000 this year with all the um, renovations. Getting 9,000 folks in the gym while you had probably twenty five to 28,000 K-State fans down in Dallas. Props to K-State fans for showing up. Because you, you heard some cheers for Wichita State on the broadcast. Um, but it, it wasn't nearly as many as I thought. And it was rocking for K-State. There were some big moments where the crowd lifted up that team. So I was very pleased with that crowd. And, and, and I was, like I said, you guys heard me on here. I was worried about... 
I was worried about it for this game with all those folks down in Dallas. Um, but this was a, just a knockout, dragout brawl, 55-50. to 50. First, let me say this. Uh, this was not a series I wanted to play. Um, if, if folks have listened to this show long enough, my thoughts on playing Wichita State are pretty well documented. And actually, Drum Tang was asked about this. In the post game, doesn't sound like he is convinced that playing Wichita State is something that is going to happen in the future, um, which does make it a little sad that you know this one game in Bramlage, maybe the only game in Bramlage uh, between these two for a very long time, did have to coincide with the Big Twelve Championship. Um, but I'm glad we got over on them two and zero. I think next year is in T-Mobile, and then I think the final one is in Coke Arena, or maybe next year's in Coke Arena, you know, on Wichita State's campus. I'm not quite sure on that, but I'm pumped. I'm glad we got to 2-0, and I'm glad K-State is up to a 7-1 start. Uh, if you go back and look at this game, down three points in the first half, giving up 32 points, only getting 29 up there, um, I, I was not happy with this. I don't think this is a good Wichita State team. They've already lost four games. You know, they did take Missouri to overtime, but they lost to San Francisco. You know, they lost to Alcorn State. They're, this is not a good Wichita State shocker team. This is not going to be a team that is contending uh, for the dance at all. This is, this is not a team that is going to uh, be you know, on the bubble, even for the NIT. This is not a good team. Um, so getting down early and really seemingly giving up just about anything to them on the inside uh, in that first half was very frustrating. It, it was a game where, you know, it, it was frustrating to watch. They did beat us on the boards. We battled back a little bit in the second half uh, rebounding, but that first half rebounding was just very poor. I'm not sure what the reasoning was, uh, but this team came in and they locked them down in the second half, only giving up 18 points in the second half, which is what we needed to do because we didn't really, it's not like we turned on the scoring. We only had 29 points in the first half, only 26 points in the second, but this team showed what they're capable of when they lock in on defense. You know, and I think that that is going to ultimately be the calling card because we've seen that uh, in some of these games versus some more talented teams, uh, the offense is a little tougher to come by. So uh, the I, I think this team is going to, especially early on in Big 12 play, really have to lean on the defense, be able to get out and run, and just have that want to on defense. I mean, think back to that Sports Center top 10 rejection as Wichita State's trying to go up for a dunk and really kind of take momentum inside two minutes. Uh, we're able to jump up there, get that SWAT, and uh, you know, get the energy going. Marquise Noel coming up with an absolute big time three pointer, reminiscent of the three pointer that he hit at Wichita State at uh, whatever arena they have down there in downtown uh, Wichita. Uh, and shut their fans up last year. So Marquise Noel, back-to-back -back years with big-time threes late in the game uh, to take the lead and really get things going. Um, and this was truly a game when you look on the offensive end. You know, it was Marquise Noel with 11, 
Keontae Johnson, 17 points, going 50% from the field again, 7-14. And then they finally got Naquan Tomlin going again, 14 points and 6 rebounds. It was so important to get Naquan Tomlin going again because, again, he was in about a three-game slump. And I'm hoping uh, when we time travel and uh, watch this game here uh, in about an hour uh, as of recording this, uh, that Naquan Tomlin's going to be able to have another big game uh, versus, quite frankly, another inferior opponent. Um, you need to keep his confidence going up, but don't be shocked if he does have some of these streaks goes into a little bit of a slump. He's still truly learning the game of basketball. He's still coming into his own. This guy is going to be a problem for the entire nation next year, but he's still going to have some bumps in the road. He's still going to have some growing pains this year. Uh, but something that he does have, you know, his long athletic body, he is a asset on defense. And even in, in some of the games, and yes, everyone, it's tough to play lockdown defense for 30-plus minutes a game because he's a 30-plus minute player. Uh, he, he, he'll have mistakes on there as well. But his drive and his want to, coupled with his length and athleticism, makes up for a lot of that. So you really had almost all your scoring with those three guys. David Gusan, again, he had eight points, three or four from the field. And at least on the offensive end, he is playing pretty decent. He's a nice little role player, you know, grabbing, you know, close to eight points a game. I guess it's at six points a game. Uh, last two games, he's had eight. The one thing I do worry about, at 6'9", 215, this guy does struggle a little bit when he has to go one-on-one -on -one down in the post with a capable big man. I do worry about that, especially as we get closer uh, to Big 12 play, to postseason play. But again, basketball is moving away from that. There aren't going to be a ton of traditional bigs who are going to be able to exploit some of that stuff. Um, and you just got to make sure that Tomlin is down there either helping or you know trying to make sure that that doesn't become a big-time problem when you're playing some of these teams. Uh, you know, Desi Sills, uh, he, he had an 0 for night. Uh, Cam Carter, only three points. And so now Cam Carter's in a two-game slump, hoping him to bounce back. Tyke Green also slumping the last handful of games. Uh, you know, at least on the scoring end, uh, what he went uh, one of three versus Wichita State, one of three versus Butler, zero of one LSU. Um, you know, he he he's in a slump. He, I'm I'm hoping we can get that turned around. I think he is at his best when he is attacking the rim and really dialed in on defense. So he's going to hopefully be one of those energy guys. And I hope to see a bigger offensive performance. We had another 20% uh, shooting night from three. Um, not ideal. Hopefully we see that go up versus Abilene Christian. Uh, but, you know, you have two more games before you really ramp stuff up. Nebraska is much better than they were last year. You know, they got a big upset win just a couple days ago. You know, they took down Creighton at Creighton by 10 points. That's number seven Creighton. They beat them by 10. Uh, again, you know, they, they've had some interesting losses as well. They lost by 20 to St. John. They lost by 13 to Oklahoma, 12 to Memphis. But that game in Kansas City, that's going to be trickier. 
you know, and then before you know it, it's going to be New Year's Eve and Big 12 play kicks off versus West Virginia. You only truly have two more rummies left on this schedule with Abilene Christian. Well, I guess as you guys are listening it to, because we're about to play Abilene Christian, got Incarnate Word on Sunday at 2 o'clock and then Radford on the 21st at 1.30 p.m. So it's go time. You know, you only have three more games as of recording this, two more games by the time you guys are listening to this, for this team to ramp it up because it is go time. If this team wants to be dancing, you can't be giving away games in Kansas City. You can't be giving away a game versus West Virginia who is picked near the bottom of the Big 12. You can't be giving away that one at home. So that's all I have for this portion. You're going to hear me talking very soon about this Abilene Christian game, uh, but there's going to be some time traveling, so just stay tuned for that. All right, time traveling. Uh, so K-State wins 81-64, to and what a uh, interesting game, to say the least. So first off, um, had issues on ESPN+. Plus. Did not uh, get to see the beginning of the game. That was probably for the best. Abilene Christian got out to, I believe the league got up to 16 points. 14 or 16 points on K-State. Absolutely lights out from three early in the game. Uh, That brings some, uh, I don't know if issues is the right word. Uh, but some concern about that first half defense. Um, this seems to have been a, uh, a a not so fun theme of the Jerome Tang era so far, and that is uh, the team not being completely dialed in for a full, uh, you know, forty minutes of basketball. Ultimately, you know, uh, it didn't even really get that much better in the second half. Giving up 30 points uh, to Abilene Christian in the second half, 34 in the first, uh, 64 points to a team like that, definitely not ideal. Um, Abilene Christian shot 45% from the field goal, and they went 7 of 19 from three. Well, they started off 6 of 8 from three. So they ended up going one of 11, uh, you know, during the final 30 minutes of the game. Um, K-State getting 52 points in the paint, 14 fast point, only going three of 12 from three, um, but 58% from the field. Uh, all in all, uh, th- this was a game that, I mean, even despite winning by 17, uh, you don't walk away feeling great. Now, it is awesome to walk away from these games. You know, the line was 13 points. So you covered, you won. And honestly, in the second half, it was low stress. Uh, Credit where credit's due to K-State. After that electric start from Abilene Christian, like I pointed out, they did not hit very many threes in the final 30 minutes of the game. Uh, K-State got their own offense going. They had some highlight plays, including a couple alley-oops, including a off-the-backboard alley-oop 
to Keontae Johnson, which had him like dunking on Cam Carter, dunking on his own teammate who tried to go up and get it. Um, so that's what's different about this year's basketball team. This that, this is what's different of the Jerome Tang era uh, versus the last few years of Bruce Weber. You have these disappointing games. You have these games where you're giving up far too much on the defensive side of the ball and having pretty long scoreless streaks. I think Abilene Christian went on a 14-0 run. The difference is, is K-State followed that up by going on a 14-2 run themselves and then going on another mini run right before halftime to be up by one at halftime and then have 46 points. 46 points in the second half. So that is the glory of this team. Again, they're getting out and running. And they were able to kind of do throwback basketball. They had, I I believe it was 56 points in the paint versus Abilene Christian only having 14. So they get it done while playing uninspiring basketball. If you go back, you know, again, time traveling here. If you go back to what I was talking about um, in the earlier uh, men's basketball segment, um, they, they don't have many of these games left. They have Incarnate Word on Sunday, and then they have Radford on the 21st. In between that is Nebraska, who is playing much better ball. They just took down Creighton on the road. And then Big 12 play starts on New Year's Eve. So you don't you have two pretty uh, large breaks. You know that you have a six day break in between Incarnate Word and Nebraska, and then you have a ten day break in between Radford and West Virginia. Uh, and this team really needs to get it going. Um, the rotation has cut down quite a bit. K State only played seven players uh, today. Uh, the starters were Tomlin, Gusan. Johnson, Carter, Noel, Tyke Green, and Desi Sills coming off the bench. Uh, David Gusan actually was the big superstar of the game. Perfect from the field, 9 of 9 with 23 points. He also had seven rebound, or no, 5 rebounds on the game. Uh, Naquan Tomlin, 12 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 steals. Uh, uh, Keontae Johnson, 12 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. He was 5 of 10 from the field. Cam Carter, 7 points, 2 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, Marquise Noel, double-double, 15 points, 12 assists, 6 rebounds. Tyke Green, 4 points, uh, going 2 of 2 from the field. Uh, Off the bench, Desi Sills, 8 points, going 3 of 7 from the field. K-State, 3 of 12 from 3, 31 of 53 from the field. And here's a plus. Getting to the free throw line 29 times. That is a massive plus. The downside is only hitting 16 of those. 16 of 29 from free throws. K-State grabbed 36 rebounds to Abilene Christian's 26. So all in all... Outside of Abilene Christian having that 14-0 run, um, it, it is a pretty solid game. Again, you'd like to see that three-point shooting improve. Uh, this is the third straight game where you've shot less than 30% from three. Uh, but you love getting to the foul line as much as we did 
despite not hitting it. And you love seeing uh, David Gusan going off. Again, this is our third or fourth. I think this is the third different score to have at least 20 points in a game. Um, and you love to see it. A little concerning that the rotation is already down to seven guys. It sounds like Bebe is hurt. Sounds like Ish is a little hurt. I uh, would have liked to see Finister get in there. But again, because it was tight for so many long stretches of period, you couldn't get that. Uh, couldn't get Finister uh, out there on the floor. Ultimately, um, I'm hoping this is still just the build-up period for this team. But l- like I said, this is... this. Having a game where you're a little frustrated and you're still winning by 17, that is just night and day different from what we've been doing the last three years. And that's exciting. That That is the exciting part of this Jerome Tang team. You have this such a high level of talent that on a night where you get outshot from three by, uh, what is that, about... 12% and you're still winning by 17 points. Absolutely dominating game in the play, in the paint. You went 28 of 31. That can't be 38 of 21. No, 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 no. 28 of 31. 28 of 31 from inside the arc. That's insane. No, 41. Wow, my math is bad. I apologize, guys. 28 of 41 from the paint. From inside the arc. That's still pretty darn great. And you absolutely dominated on a glass versus a team that you should have. Ultimately, we took care of a team, despite spotting them 14 points, uh, a 14-0 run, took care of an inferior opponent, and that's what a team like this needs to do. Um, it is going to be very interesting. That Nebraska game that is about 10 days from now is going to be a massive one. If you're in the Kansas City area or if you can get here, I think this is going to be a knockout dragon fight uh, versus our old friends, our old foes, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So um, that's all I have on this game. Again, K-State is now 8-1. and one. Um, I think we're about 10 point or 10 wins away from going dancing. I think it's eight down, 10 to go, 18 and we're in. Uh, and, and you should get three of them. I mean, we will be favorited versus Nebraska in Kansas City. Uh, but that's going to be a salty team. That is going to be a tough game. That is not going to be um, some cakewalk. So uh, buckle up, folks. Uh, the hunt for Lavender, or Lavender March is on. Um, and that game in Kansas City in the T-Mobile Center versus Nebraska is going to be a massive one. So we're going to time travel again, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this hot start for Gabby Gregory, Jeff Mitty, and the K-State women's basketball team, along with the women's volleyball search. Okay, time traveling, uh, you know, going back and forth in the past and future, all that type of stuff. Um, hopefully it was a nice, easy, low stress win over Abilene Christian. Let's talk about K State women's basketball um, because first off, they're ranked. Um, K State basketball is ranked 24th in the nation. Um, you know, if you guys are listening to this on Wednesday, they're playing UMKC 6:30 p.m. in 
Bramlage Coliseum on ESPN Plus as well. Um, so make sure you're giving that a watch. But they absolutely destroyed a Houston team. And again, Houston's not very good, but they're about to come into the Big 12. Beat them 73-59. And this team is absolutely rolling. Yes, they dropped a game versus Arkansas uh, down in the Paradise Jam. Arkansas is undefeated. That's a good squad. Uh, they have old friend Chrissy Carr on that team as well. But K-State women's basketball is absolutely rolling. And a lot of it has to do with Gabby Gregory. Now, she is in the top 10 in the nation scoring. Gabby Gregory is dropping, you know, just all sorts of points. 21. She only had five versus Arkansas, which was a big reason why we struggled in that game. Only going one of 10. But again... She is 42% from the field, 36% from three, but she's she's dropping 21 points, 35 points, 22, 26, 13, 24, 25, 19. Gabby Gregory is the real deal. Now, I know we all were hoping and thinking, all right, hey, this is going to be the Aoka Lee swan song. We're going to get a lot of Aoka Lee this year. Obviously out with that knee injury, but Gabby Gregory has stepped up and took that mantle of being the lead scorer. Now, you have the Glenn sisters, you have Serena Sundell, you have some other folks that are stepping up, um, and, and it's not just a one-woman team, but you have to have that kind of alpha who's able to get a bucket no matter what the situation calls for. And she's the one who has become that player. You know, you do have that core that, you know, you always were going to be depending on coming into this season. You knew, you know, three of the starters, um, and you're kind of trading out Aoka Lee for Gregory. Again, they don't play the exact, they don't play the same position. Um, But you are seeing... This team come together and score the basketball. You know, if you look at what they're putting up, 73 points. The Arkansas game, we're going to ignore that one. That one was not great. But 93 points, 76 points, 91 points, 70, 84, 77, 83. If you like scoring, this is the team for you. And I want to give a lot of props to Jeff Mitty because last year we ran into all sorts of scoring droughts. That is some of those were the issues that we ran into, especially in that back half of the Big 12 season. And that's with Aoka Lee. Now we're gonna have to see what happens once you start up Big 12 play because just like it is on the men's side, the Big 12 is the number one women's basketball conference in the nation. And you have some absolute heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. No, you you have Baylor, you have Iowa State, you have Texas, a, a very good Oklahoma or KU team that is bouncing back. They're undefeated right now. Oklahoma's in the top twenty-five. You know this is going to be an absolute gauntlet, just like it is on the men's side, and that's where Jeff Mitty is going to be tested. I was very critical of Jeff Mitty down the stretch and in postseason play uh, because I I think in that first half we could have we could have pulled off that upset versus NC State, but things just got stale and he didn't have an answer. He didn't have a counterpunch in that second half. So I've been hard on Jeff Mitty. Um, and I think it's because he may be 
the best recruiter at K-State as a head coach. Now, Jerome Tang may have something to say about it. And hell, even Chris Kleiman, who's knocking on the door of a top 40 recruiting class, might have something to say about it. But the talent that Jeff Mitty has been able to assemble and get into Bramlage Coliseum, get into the ice training facility, has been at a level that he should be. We, we should be in the top 25 year in, year out. We shouldn't just be chalking it up to saying, all right, let's get to the round of 32 and then bow out. This is a team, this is talent that he's assembled that you got to think that, hey, we can get back to a Sweet 16. So is he going to reward some of our patients, award our fandom as we get uh, to, especially when we're playing Big 12 teams for a second time? Because that's where he struggled. That's where he struggled last year. I hope we get to see it because, again, this is a fun team. This is a fun team. Even with a without Aoka Lee, you have some of these. You have the, that sophomore trio. You have these transfers coming in. You have these freshmen. They all play a very fun brand of basketball, and they can score the bucket. So if you have some time, try to watch them Wednesday night versus UMKC. And they're going to be playing South Dakota in Old Memorial uh, Gym here in Kansas City on Saturday the 10th. So if you're in town, if you want to support the Cats in Kansas City, check them out as they play South Dakota because uh, that's going to be a fun game as well. Uh, just like the men, they're getting ready. Uh, they play at... Uh, Texas on Longhorn Network that New Year's Eve at 2 p.m. So as you guys are listening to this, they have four games to tune up. You know, it is right around the sched- or right around the corner. Again, Big 12 play really sneaks up on you uh, for both the men and women. Uh, it, it, especially because there's so much overlap with football, you basically blink and you're at Big 12 play. Um, and that's where we're going to have a lot of answers uh or a lot of questions to the answers, not only for the men, but for the women as well. Uh, Gabby Gregory has ex- experience in Big 12 play, so th- she's going to be going up against coaches who know how to defend her. Again, the uh, Serena Sundell and the Glenn sisters, this is their second year going through the gauntlet of Big 12 play, so they're not going to sneak up on anyone. No one who is game planning against K-State is going to be surprised by these underclassmen producing but at the same time, they know what to expect. Hopefully, they don't run into any sort of you know back end of the season wall because this is the second time they're going through this sort of grind. So it's going to be exciting to see how all these players continue to mesh together and then navigate uh, you know the gauntlet that is going to be the Big Twelve. I'm super excited for it. A- again, uh, I-, I really do enjoy. The brand of basketball that Jeff Mitty plays when this team is rolling. When this team is rolling. We're going to end talking about uh, the K-State volleyball program. Um, Susie Fritz was, uh, I, I think we're saying, uh, you know, she resigned. Uh, fire, I, I, Whatever the issue, whatever, uh, you know, verbiage you want to use. The Susie Fritz era is over. First and foremost, um... Because I know that I caught some flack when I was calling for change in the women's basketball program. I want to say this. Susie Fritz is an absolute legend at K-State. When I was a student at K-State, I was going to volleyball games, uh, you know, at least... I I was going to double-digit volleyball games all four years I was in school. Especially when I lived on campus, 
when I was a freshman, I went to almost every home game. I love the game of volleyball. I think it is the most entertaining, maybe the most entertaining college sport there is if you're looking at just the high level of athlete, the game flow, all this type of stuff. I, I truly believe it. It, it. Whenever the questions have been asked, hey, if you could choose a national title in something that wasn't men's basketball or football, I always choose volleyball. That is my third favorite K-State team to follow, to watch the games. And she was a legend. She got us to postseason play a ton. She won us a Big 12 title, brought in some exciting athletes, all American athletes, all Big 12 athletes to play volleyball for K-State. But just like we saw with Bill Snyder, just like we saw with Bruce Weber, Eventually, the time comes even for legends uh, that we have to move on. I know a lot of folks think, hey, you know, is that really fair to her uh, because we're about to open up this volleyball facility that she advocated for, she wanted for so long, and hey, it was finally going to get there. You know, she was in the donor meeting. She was calling on her allies in the donor class to help get it fundraised, get it built. But here's the thing. When you're a high-level Power 5 coach, no matter what the sport is, you are going to be very, you're going to be compensated very well. You're going to be compensated very well. And with the massive investment that is going into the volleyball program, you can't look at the last, you know, back end of last season as they limped into postseason play And then what happened this year with a very talented team? You can't stand by and hand the keys off to that new building. I know it sucks. I know it seems like it's like it's unfair, but you know this isn't intramurals. This is Big Twelve athletics. This is a Power Five athletic department, and I think Gene Taylor made the right call. Now, the pressure is on Gene Taylor. To make the right decision. This is the fourth time he has fired a coach who has won the Big 12 at K-State. You know, he made that change in baseball. He made it in football. He made it in basketball. Now, he's going to have to make it for football as well, or for volleyball as well. Is he going to make a good hire? Because again, the Chris Kleiman hire... Absolutely amazing. He's already won the Big 12 title. We're all super happy with Jerome Tang. Now, there's some frustration in uh, the the world of K-State baseball fans with how that's going right now, which is understandable. So it's time for him to make a no-doubt big-time hire for one of the uh, non-revenue sports. I think there's an obvious answer. And again, I I am a volleyball fan. I love I, I really enjoy watching. I like the sport. So I'm not going but I'm not gonna pretend like I'm some massive insider. I'm not going to pretend that I have a full hot board or you know master list of candidates. Cause cause I don't. Because I don't. And, and I want to give a shout out to Michael Johnson, uh, who knows this sport way better than me. But this is the name he's been promoting 
uh, dating back to last year, I believe. And I believe this is the name that you have to set. Any, anything you're willing to invest in a volleyball head coach, I think you have to go all in on Dawn Sullivan. She's the UNLV coach, and she is a multi-time Mountain West Volleyball Coach of the Year. She's gotten them to the NCAA tournament more than any other coach at UNLV Volleyball has. She got them to the NCAA tournament this past year, and she even did that without winning their conference tournament. She played at K-State. She was an assistant coach at Iowa State, so she knows the league. She knows the region. And she's proven that she can get teams from the mid-major level to the volleyball tournament, even as an at-large. I believe every single year she's been at UNLV, she's had a winning record with an exclamation point. Like I said, she's getting them to postseason play. She's getting them to the NCAA tournament. And she's having success at UNLV that they don't have at volleyball. They don't have some rich story tradition. So I believe handing off the keys to one of our own, someone who played here, someone who, you know, like I said, coached at Iowa State before she got her head coaching opportunity at UNLV, which is... If you actually look into uh, UNLV, there's a, there's a lot of K-State crossover. When you look at some of their uh, administration, some of their coaching hires over the years. But, you know, that might be a podcast for another day. But I think it's time to bring Don Sullivan home. I think if you don't, there's a chance you might be recruiting against her at Missouri. She might end up at Iowa State if that job reopens. She might end up at KU if that job opens. I don't want to end up in a situation where we're coaching against one of our own and have her wildly succeed somewhere else. So I don't know the economics into making a volleyball hire. I don't know if any of these open jobs are going to be gunning after her, but I do firmly believe she should be the one who ushers in this new era of K-State Volleyball. I do trust Gene Taylor to make a good hire. I guarantee he's infinitely smarter about this than I am. And if if someone clips this to him and and sends it to him, he might be laughing at me and calling me a fool. Um, Which, you know, my record isn't great. Especially if you go back and look at all those football coaches I wanted to hire. Uh, You know, maybe... uh, Maybe I'll have the same bad track record with trying to pick volleyball coaches as well, but I, I think a highly successful head coach, sitting head coach, who gets her mid-major team to the NCAA tournament uh, quite often, um, who's an alumni, I think that has to be the first call. I'm looking forward to seeing whoever it is, and I, I'm going to say this, I'm going to try uh, my best to make whoever the next volleyball coach at K-State the first a non-revenue sport head coach that I get on the podcast. So whoever it is, hopefully it's Don Sullivan. Um, uh, you know, I, I hope to have whoever he or she is the next coach uh, on the show uh, later on, you know, this December or early in January. So stay tuned for, uh, you know, what whoever gets the job, we'll be talking about it. Because, um, like I said, I, I'm a big volleyball fan. Also, again, like I said, big fan of this women's basketball team as well. 
So that's all we have for the show. I hope all the time traveling, bouncing back and forth between talking about, you know, a men's basketball game that still hasn't happened yet and, you know, talking about the women's basketball team and this volleyball search. I hope it all goes well. I hope all of you are doing well. I hope you guys are starting to get your voice back. Mine is still strained. Um, still trying to get the voice back from Saturday. Uh, but we're going to keep rocking here at Bosco's Boys. Uh, we will have a live show tonight at 7 p.m. So if you can, join us on Spotify Live. Otherwise, listen to it Thursday morning. So for Chauncey Bosco, the best dog in the world and the best co-host in the world, uh, for all the K-State fans, all the Big 12 champions out there, we love you guys and go Cats. Christmas time is here and Christmas songs you love to hear Thoughts of joy and hope and cheer But mostly shopping, shopping, shopping Christmas, Christmas time is here The sleigh bells and the red-nosed deer Songs and songs we love to hear All played a thousand times each year Heard this same song twenty times And it's only Halloween It's not even cold outside Christmas, Christmas time is here and Christmas songs you love to hear Thoughts of joy and hope and cheer But mostly shopping, shopping, shopping Christmas season Starting sooner every year It's October Stores with plastic Christmas trees Ransack the mall Shop until you lose your mind Spike the eggnog Sit back and watch Rudolph Frosty Charlie Brown It's time to do the Christmas Can't get if you can't Can't dance Well that's okay Not going to do the kick line All you need is a tree Some lights about a thousand Presents wrapped up and pray for snow Run to your closet, find your Christmas sweater screaming carols all the way. Maine, all the way to California, it's the Christmas, can't get Halloween to Christmas Day. It's the most wonderful time of year, we're running mad with Christmas cheer. Hey, what's troubling you, my friend? It's not fair if you're Jewish, Jewish. Not fair if you're Jewish, Jewish. Dreidel, 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 I made it out of clay. You realize that Christmas ain't the only holiday. Hey, he's right, who made these laws? Look, wait, here comes Santa Claus. Santa Claus, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. Havana, Gila, happy Hanukkah to you. A happy Hanukkah to you. A happy Hanukkah to you. A Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, and also Kwanzaa. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and Merry Kwanzaa to you. Sports Social Podcast Network.